thanks for listening and supporting this podcast. I'm Camille Diaz, and if you are sick and tired of setting goals and not achieving them, jump on over to my website, go.optimized.zone. Enroll in my online course, Driven, and gain access to the exact formula I've used to accomplish my goals, like write a book, increase revenue, lose 30 pounds, and record over 100 episodes of this podcast. Start experiencing the joy and satisfaction that comes with achieving your goals. That's go.optimized.zone. Welcome. This is Money Heart, where we explore the emotional side of money. I'm Camille Diaz, and today we're discussing hope is not a strategy. My guest is Robert Johnson. He's the founder of Bold Networking and the Bold OS Sales Training. Robert, welcome to Money Heart. Well, thank you very much. And, and using one of my own training topic titles as the topic to point out the obvious for me, I love it. I love it. <laughs> that is actually my favorite quote from you and all of the trainings that I've done and things that I've been in that you have taught. Uh, and, and it's one that sticks in my head. And when we talked about this topic, I'm like, what in the world am I going to call it? And then all of a sudden this morning it came to me and I said, oh my gosh, the thing that Robert says that runs through my head all the time, hope is not a strategy. <laughs> and I love it, but I hate it at the same time because yeah. it's my own medicine that I have to take. And you know, it's easier to give medicine than it is to take medicine. So it sure is. Yeah. Thanks for, all thanks the time. for inviting me on for sure. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. Um, so the reason that I picked that and what we're talking about is the idea of using your business as a retirement vehicle and kind mm. of all the, the risks and things to consider when doing that. Because I think you see that happen a lot and I see that happen a lot, both of us in our, in our businesses, we see our, this with our clients, of wanting to use their business <coughs> as a retirement vehicle. So what do you typically see as their line of thinking when this comes up? I don't know about most of them. I know for me, um, when I've talked to people in financial space before, and you know, I network a lot, so I get approached frequently. And over the years, my excuse, um, albeit a lame one, uh, have been, "Hey, I don't, you know, I don't have money to invest. I'm busy investing in my business." And at some point, my business is going to be so awesome. Of course it is. And to, to use my title, I hope it's going to be so awesome that okay. I won't nest egg. I'll have my business that I could sell or I could spend revenue off of. <clears throat> and I'll be so fabulously wealthy that I won't need any savings whatsoever. Right, right. So that's the trap uh, that I have fallen into. And I know for me personally, um, there's been good seasons and there's been droughts. Yeah. And those a few of those droughts have turned into horrific, like uh, dust bowl, grapes of wrath level seasons that have been pretty traumatic. Um, and I shared with you this with you the other day that even even through those, I still have that hope that this one's going to work, that this business is going to continue to, and it's doing really well now. But everything has a life cycle. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And whether that life cycle does coincide with your retirement and it's up when you need it to be up or not, mm -hmm. very hard to predict. It's, it's super yeah, no hard doubt. to know if your business is going to be rocking and rolling right at the time that you need all the money from it. So. 
Yeah. Want to talk about your your some businesses you've done in the past because the one you've got going now is going well. But let's uh, let's talk about your restaurant a little bit if that's okay. Because I also have a pretty significant whoops business kind of a story. Um, but I'd love to hear yours because you know you're the guest. So let's talk about you. Well, cool. Thank you. Yeah, the the restaurant was pretty cool, and and yeah. even like this business did really really well. Mm-hmm. Um, for a, you know, we started in two thousand and late two thousand one, early two thousand and two, with a sports bar, restaurant, catering company that frankly did probably way too much for too many people. Tried to be everything to everybody. Sure. I get so pissed when I go through something like a Panda Express or Raising Cane's and they have like three menu items. I'm like, what? I had seven pages. <laughs> um, but you know, I started that with everything that we had. I mean, we yeah. refinanced houses and cars and oh, wow. you know, even broke into the piggy banks and change jars and anything and everything to limp by for a while. And we finally got that up to about three million a year in revenue, which for a mom and pop business is doing pretty dang good. Yeah, that's pretty, and um, restaurant is one of the hardest, hardest businesses to break into and do well in. I think so, there's lots of company, there's, but there's plenty of other industries that are just as hard. Um, I think the restaurant business, because of the demand of the constant prepping food and all the things that, the variables that go in there make it equal, just even more challenging, and then spoilage and breakage and all the, everything it is a complicated business but there's lots of businesses that are tough yeah um, I, th- I think we did really well through that and even in that season I was having people go well, what are you putting away for retirement I'm like I'm gonna grow this to 40 locations doing 40 four million dollars each I'm gonna be a you know 160 million dollar a year restaurant and then I'm gonna sell it off and you know retire on my hundreds of millions right sounds like a fabulous plan um, you're not yeah. running the restaurant anymore and nope. you haven't retired on hundreds of millions. So nope. what happened? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. So just a series, and this was the, maybe the mindset of an entrepreneur, maybe just my mindset. Every time we got a little bit ahead, I reinvested in something. We redid menus, mm-hmm. we got new point of sale, we did more marketing, we hired more people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a couple of uh, attempts to open other locations. Mm-hmm. Uh, we added a, additional streams of revenue that we thought would would be the golden ticket. And you know, through all that, it just took, was kind of soul crushing. And, and finally, about I don't know, year eight and a half or nine, we had somebody make an offer to buy us out. Yeah. And uh, just talking through it, uh, my five-year-old at the time was in the backseat of the car. And my wife and I were talking about, hey, everything we've done together, we met while we were doing the restaurant, we opened the restaurant together, we, we raised Jordan in the back room, literally. They even had a conversation with the health department about having a playpen near the kitchen. Wow. Like she wasn't in a food prep area, but she was near the kitchen, and that was a problem for the health department. I'm like, wow. Uh, anyway, so that's, we were talking about, what are we gonna do now that these people wanna buy the business? What do we do? Do we sell, do we keep it? And Jordan, at five years old, took her headphones off in the back seat and, and said in this like adult voice, I would say out of the mouths of babes, but it sounded more like Shark Tank yeah. and more like Kevin O'Leary's voice. Like, oh, I'm wow. out, you're dead to me. You know, is that kind of, she said, I'm out, sell it. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, why Jordan? She goes, cause I never get to see you. Wow. Now mind you that for that whole nine years, I, we had been reinvesting and reinvesting, no savings, no nest egg, no, three months, four months, six months of, it's all reinvested in the business. And I always felt I could always just make more money. I could yeah. do more catering sales. I could add another menu item. I could sell gift cards. I could, whatever. I could always just make more money. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and at that moment, emotionally, I was wrecked because here, what I was building for my kids, I thought, or justified at least, um, they didn't want anything to do with. They're like, we're out. Yeah. Um, so that deal ended up falling through. They didn't get their settlement that they had mm -hmm. won in a, a legal suit. Somebody had mm -hmm. backed out of that. So their deal fell through. But a month later, we walked away and gave the keys back to the landlord. Now, that wasn't a very good idea either. But um, emotionally, I was just done. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge, you know, to have your, your tiny child just tell you, mm -hmm. I'm not seeing you. I want more time get out of your business. Like, Thankfully, oh. I wasn't driving Camille at the time. I was in the passion, which is weird because I almost always drive. I yeah. just wasn't driving that day. I don't think, I probably would have wrecked the car from the tears just, mm -hmm. it was like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> twist in the night. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I think, I think you, you said this is just me, but I do think that's common for a lot of entrepreneurs to feel like, well, I'm going to keep investing in the business. The business is going to do well. I'm going to make it do well. It's going to do it because we have that hope, you know, yeah. I, and we're just like, we're just hoping that if I do this one more thing, it'll work. And like you said, well, I can just make more money. I'm, I'm right. good at what I do. I'm capable that, you know, I know this business works. I can just make some more. So it's going to be fine. Um, yeah. I'd say it's part of that spirit that makes a business happen in the first place is that we'll figure it out. There's another yeah. way. We'll try something. We'll pivot. We'll pivot. We'll pivot. Um, some of that is true, that part that makes it possible is true, but it's also that part that, that makes us buy our own bull crap and we're kind of lying to ourselves right. Um, right. about what it's going to eventually do. And I think there's a balance in there somewhere that I missed uh, in that business of putting some aside for a rainy day, for putting some aside for retirement, for putting some aside just for the security. If not for me, at least the people around me. Yeah, for your family so that you would have, you know, if you had a down month, then you'd have rent still, you know, things like that. And uh, I, I definitely have made the same mistake, um, you know, in, invested in a ballroom studio, which was fabulous for a while and loved it. And we'd have 100 people in there on a Saturday night for parties because we had all this space and things like that, which in the ballroom world, 100 people at a party is a lot. That's like, wow, really? Ball really? Oh, cool. <laughs> this was really cool. Um, but one partner left, new partner came in, chemistry totally didn't work for the clients, for the owners, like everything just melted down super fast. And again, I thought, well, I'm going to make this work. I'm going to make this work. I'm going to invest more. I'm going to make it work. And then it'll eventually get going great and I'll retire here and I'll be the 75 year old lady that's still teaching people to cha-cha and it's going to be amazing. And that did not, did oh. not happen, did not work. And then now what do I do? Now I've got debt. Now I've got no savings. Now I have, you know, no retirement plan started. I'm years past, you know, I've lost time because the big deal right. in investing is time, you know, giving it enough time to grow and I've lost time. And so now what? But I mean, a lot of that's what led me led me to starting a financial company because I was like, I'm not screwing this up again. I'm going to oh, figure yeah. this out and I'm going to get it right and help yeah. everybody else do it too. So it worked out for the better, I think. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about that feeling when you close because I think, you know, we kind of get into the emotional side here. And for me, it was, I, I think I lost about a month. We closed in April and my kids didn't get out of school till the end of May. And I really have no idea what happened beyond, you know, paying the rest of the staff 
refunding the classes that were already out there, finding teachers to take over the students, like all the responsible stuff I had to do, turned in the keys, packed up my stuff. I I have no idea what happened for a solid 30 days other than me just kind of laying in bed wearing sweatpants and, you know, eating Cheetos out of my hoodie kind of a thing. So what happened for you when you when you did that? Yeah, I think that's pretty common from the people that I coach kind of through that same transition period. It's it's pretty common. <clears throat> for me, initially, the day that we, the weekend that we closed was just a massive party. Buck, we got rid of all our inventory. Um, you know, I gave the bar away. It, it felt like all this weight had been lifted. Like, oh. And the bar, you mean the physical, like, actual bar yeah. furniture the, piece? Everything. The, yeah. the furniture, the equipment. We sold the restaurant equipment. I mean, we, we just got rid of everything, and it felt like this huge weight at first. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of went back to my day-to-day life and things were clipping along, doing fine. And then about eight months in or so, and I don't even really know when, I slipped yeah. into a pretty severe depression where I didn't want to get off the couch. I don't even like watching TV yet. I found myself clicking through whatever, the 285 channels of nothing sure. on yeah. TV. Um, and, and frankly, just couldn't get off the couch. I was like, meh. And it felt like, in, in hindsight, it was almost like I had lost a child. Yes, that is very much what it feels like, for sure. You know, I had this thing that I invested so much energy, blood, sweat, and tears, and countless, countless nights of overnight working through the night and doing whatever it took. Yeah. Uh, and even though we had a somewhat successful exit, it's not like I ended up, you know, totally devastated by it. We sold off a lot of stuff, and I had some revenue still spinning out of it for a while. Uh, it still felt like I failed. Like I abandoned my child, I gave up, the 40 stores isn't going to happen, the 160 million is not going to happen, um, you know, so that, it, it yeah, was pretty devastating. really interesting what you say because you didn't just feel the failure of the one thing that you had going, the, the location you had, the restaurant, you felt like you failed on the whole big plan mm-hmm. that you were hoping for. That yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but that's really true. It's not just I messed up on this part. It's I I've, I've now failed, you know, the next thirty years or something like that. Right? How you feel? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, I get, I think some self doubt creeped in too because I'm like, okay, now mind you, to build that kind of business is incredible. Yeah. But still, the the when we closed it, it and and we decided to close. It wasn't like we ran out of right. money or ran out of business. I just decided I wanted my family over my business. That wasn't providing the lifestyle that I wanted it. So it was a choice, and yet I still feel like I failed at at that time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I started going, man, I think I'm a pretty smart dude, and I've been pretty successful. Am I just really that dumb and don't know it? (laughs) And, And maybe that's true, too. Maybe there's some truth in that. But at the end of the day, I think I'm pretty smart, and just business failures happen, and markets change, and there are a lot of variables that that went in there. It wasn't didn't all under. We didn't get any bailout money. Favorite? That was the time of all the bailout money. We didn't get any of that. No bail. No bailout money. So no. didn't you used to teach nuclear physics? Like, wasn't that a thing you did? Yeah, that was a thing. I, yeah, I taught nuclear physics way back in the day. You might be a little bit smart. Maybe on a, on a good day with the wind blowing. <laughs> right. When the wind so, blows yeah. hard, <laughs> clears all the yeah. dust out. Yeah. So yeah, it still felt like this. So I spent I don't know three or four months ish on the couch and we had a car repossessed and we were eviction notices piling up and you know all those things were happening and utilities i think we we're in and out on utilities it was like oh my gosh how do you go from here to here right. um, and thankfully um, 
my son was coming to visit for the summer and he's like, hey, I need a job. Let's go find a job together. So I went and found a job and worked with my son. It wasn't really a job. It was a 1099 consulting gig, but um, it felt like a job because it wasn't what I wanted to do. Yes. Right. I, I had to go do something. So I ended up back in the restaurant business, which I you know, swore one of that July 5th when we closed the, I'm never, never, do, again. I'm never doing this again. Yep. Yeah. And uh, was really successful at it. Turned that restaurant around too and had, you know, had some fun, but mostly just got out of my, I needed to go do something. Right. Right. And, you know, that was kind of for me and I felt good about it because I turned it, turned it around yet another business to be profitable and successful. So it felt good too. Yeah. So you do that a lot now. Help people yeah. turn businesses around to be profitable and successful. When you coach your clients and they're, they come to you with this concept of, well, I hope my thing is going to do really great. And then I'm going to use that for my retirement money. What do you say to them? How do you kind of coach them to maybe think about that a tad differently? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I come alongside a lot of business owners, especially startups, entrepreneurs, smaller scale businesses. And, and it does come up. Well, two things come up. One, they start spending money before they've made money. Bad idea, bad recipe. Yes. Right? They want business cards. They want logos. They want websites. They want all this stuff, yet they don't have customer number one or even know if anybody wants what they do. Right. Um, so we talk through that and say, hey, let's make money, not spend money. And then we get to putting some aside. The first thing I have them do is, is save something out of everything, out of every single transaction, even a small percentage. And then I personally like to have three to six months worth of all expenses, personal and business piled up to where I could easy access and I relax and then I don't feel so needy. Yes. Well, that helps create, um, people avoid what you frequently call, and I call it this all the time too, that commission breath right. of, you know, if I don't make this sale, I don't make rent. Or yeah. if I don't make this sale, they come take my car and I need my car for work. So I have to make this sale. And it puts so much pressure, not just on the potential customer, but on you as well. When you don't have that, you know, that cushion, that money saved up, it's rough. Well, there's power in not needing all of it. And whether it's, you know, nobody wants to date the desperate guy or the desperate girl. Yes. You know, same thing. There's that sense of desperation. That desperation is on a fundamental level and it triggers hormone response and stress and all the other stuff that spin up. And now we're emotional about business. The other thing that, that comes up, Camille, pretty frequently is when I say, well, save something of everything. They go, oh, I couldn't possibly afford to. You know, I'm using I'm reinvesting in the business and I'm doing this with it. I'm doing that with it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and for me, having bought my own bull crap where I've said that stuff to myself before, sure. I just ask questions, right? So I would say, well, what if, you know, a new tax came up? Like the tax commission called you said, hey, this new bill passed, you now owe $2,000 a month. Or maybe a, a, a rent went up $1,000 a month or insurance just adjusted those business expenses happen frequently and business owners go, oh, it's an expense. And they just go, okay, we've got to figure it out. They'll go get a new client. They'll adjust their costs. They'll cut back their spending. You know, maybe they don't hire the next hire as soon as they would, but they figure out a way to come up with the money. They adjust because they have to, they have no choice and there's no justification for why they wouldn't. So they do it. But because yeah, yeah. the investing, the savings, the putting aside a little bit from every transaction is optional, oh, I just can't. I've got other stuff I've got to do. Yes, yeah. So it really is the, the choice to make it non-optional and go, yeah. that's happening first. I'm taking some money out and I'm putting it aside and then I'm working with whatever's left. 
Yeah, there's a really uh, a really good book called Profit First. I love it's, Profit First. It is right yeah. over here on my shelf. Yeah, it's by Michael Michalowicz. Really like good Michael book. Wicks, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it it says that pay yourself first. Now I I talk about it from the sales mindset or the business owner's mm-hmm. mindset, but yeah, yeah. So yeah, so so in his so since we're talking about Profit First, let's uh let's share a little bit of what's in there because I I love this book. Um, start with one percent. How hard could that be? One percent, you know, you make a hundred dollars, you take one out. You can yep. probably do the same thing with the ninety-nine that you were gonna do with a hundred. Like, it's probably yep. not that much of a difference. So just doing that and just starting there, and then okay, can I up it? Can I up it to one and a half? Can I up it to two? And then he's got all kinds of cool strategies of, um, you know, taking out your owner's pay, taking out for taxes. Um, you know, cause you don't have to pay taxes, but eventually they'll hunt you down. So it helps. Yeah, they do. Yeah. <laughs> if you want Been to there, done that, got the t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Been there, done that, huh? <laughs> yeah, got the t-shirt. Yep. Yeah, yeah, got the t-shirt. So yeah. And then, you know, you end up in his strategy, you end up with about 30% for operating expenses. <clears throat> and so it's really that 30% that you're running the business off of. And yeah. most of the time business owners aren't even paying themselves. They're just running the business off of like 90%. And then the other 10, maybe they, you know, buy, buy themselves a little bit of something. Um, and that it's just really a backward strategy because that's not the point. Well, yeah, I think, I think that's the lie that we tell ourselves or and maybe nobody else on here, but me, that's definitely the lie I've told myself, well, this is just for a season. It'll get better next season. I'll have more money. Then out of that money, then I'll start saving. Yes, then I'll do it. Then I'll do it. When yeah. the heck is then? <laughs> yeah, same, it sounds like the same plan I used for working out for years. Now I have a trainer and I go see my trainer a couple of times a week and he makes sure that I work out. Yeah, that's a, a really great strategy for not working out is, oh yeah, I'm going to work out next week. Yes, yeah, I'll start the diet. I'll, you know, I'll watch what I eat. I'll do this. I'll do that yeah. then. And the yeah. same thing with money, right? It's That's right. an emotional response to what needs to happen now. Um, as well as the, um, just the the idea of, of putting it off. Like, why am I doing that? And w- am I lying to myself? Do I really have a business or not? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Or a really expensive hobby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. all fun I stuff. I think you're sure. right. We do, we do tend to, I mean, we can talk ourselves into and out of anything. Yeah. So it's having somebody that helps you with that outside perspective of, okay, do I really have a business or not? Are we making money or not? Are we paying ourselves or not? Mm-hmm. Are we um, providing a product or service that people actually want? Um, do we need business cards to be successful? Probably not. <laughs> Nope. <laughs> or a logo or a website or lots of things unless you're in that industry. Yeah. You don't need them until you need them. And uh, I'm a big fan now. Now I do. I used to spend plenty of time. You call it creative avoidance because that's totally a thing um, of, you know, plenty of time of finding things to do that weren't actually doing anything. Oh, well, I can't possibly talk to anybody right. until I have my website up because what if they go look for it? Yeah. I, I think you know, one thing that that has helped some people on um, is having some sort of timeline. Yes. You know, that's where having a business plan kind of makes sense because now you know, I, I don't always believe that you start with a business plan. You could get started and refine your business plan over it, maybe 90 days or whatever. But to have that plan to know if you're on course or not, 
and then to give yourself a timeline to know, hey, I've got to make it by X. Right. You know, when we're when we're in, when we're involved in our own business and it's our baby and we're emotionally tied and everything we do, we wake up, we go to work, we go to sleep thinking about work. We're trying to solve problems all the time. We're go 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 go. It's easy to get wrapped up in that and just keep pushing out that end date. Yes. Uh, yeah. But if you had taken $100,000 of your money and invested it in a company that you weren't emotionally involved in, it was an investment, you wouldn't give it very long before you're like, hey, wait a second, I need my money back or I need yeah. to liquidate this or it's got to be to this point by this date or I've got to do something else. Right. You're, you know, six months, I want to see some profit coming back or a year or whatever, 18 months, whatever you put on it, you're going to put in some kind of a, a, a rule some kind of a stop. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Okay. I'm giving you a hundred thousand and 18 months from now, I expecting you're going to start sending me 10,000 a month or whatever. And if it doesn't happen, you're like, you're intervening. Okay. Are we getting a coach? Are we shutting it down? Like we're, we're figuring it out, but you're so right. When we have that emotional, super close attachment to the business, cause it's our baby. We're not making those objective decisions. Possibly not. So yeah, yeah, possibly not. It's hard. You have to, you have to go through it the hard way a few times. Or, or really have learned a lot before you start in order yeah. to avoid those traps. I've <laughs> met some people that got really lucky, right? But that's the exception, not the rule. Right. Um, but I, I will say that most of the people that I work with do better when they have an outside voice of reason instead of relying solely on their own, whether it be a board of directors, a personal board of directors, some some consultants or advisors that they could trust with the right information not leading information to what the solutions are but yeah be like hey and i'm the one of the hardest people on the planet to coach um mostly because i buy my own bullcrap readily i'm like oh that sounds good that's fair let's just do that i don't need a coach to tell me that um, yep. but i benefit greatly when i open myself up to other people's input to go hey have you thought about this has taken way too long to grow <laughs> Have you thought about you should be at X and you're at Y? I mean, what can you do? How long is that going to take? And what happens if you don't? I'm like, oh, crap. Okay, yeah. Whoops. Forgot about that. Yeah, didn't look at that angle. Yeah. That's another thing that you'll hear, right? Well, I can't afford I can't afford somebody to tell me that. I can't afford the, you know, 500 bucks an hour or 500 sure. bucks a month or whatever it is, right? $1,000, whatever. I can't afford that. But again, if the tax came up, if the, the insurance went up, if, a, you know, good cost of goods went up. Right, if rent if, goes up. Yeah. Yeah. And right yeah. now is a good example of that. Building price, building material prices went up. They didn't stop building houses. They're like, oh, this sucks. Guess we're going to have to pass that on to the consumer. Pretty much. Right. Figured out a way. Figured yeah. A way. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So Fun let's, stuff. Talk, let's talk about your business now. Let's talk about Bold and Bold OS and all that kind of stuff. Because I've been hanging around Bold for a little while now. Yeah, you have. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you have, and you're you're actually one of my favorite stories to share. Just how you came to Bold, and how you were in a season of writing books, and I think Tony had just downsized a client or two, and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know, but you still found a way. Yeah. We so still... interestingly, I actually I don't know if you even remember this because I don't think we've ever talked about it. Um, I came to Bold 11 months before I came to Bold. Oh wow! I came to Bold one time. And I think yep. you guys were maybe a year in, maybe less. I'm yep. not sure exactly when you started, but I was at a thing and somebody invited me to, to go and I was like, sure, I guess. And it was right after that dance studio closed and I was in the oh, middle wow. of writing my book. I mean, it had been like a month, maybe at, at the outside, maybe a month. Oh, wow. And um, I was writing my book. So, cause I'd been working on that for a while 
I'm like, okay, well, I seem to have free time. So I guess I'll write this book. And people were calling me and asking me for help with their businesses because they saw how good I was at systems and processes. And they're like, help me organize, help me understand how to do this, help me create a process, things like that. So I'm like, okay, well, this sounds good. Um, and I go to Bold just because she invites me. And I, I just totally like bomb my commercial. It's awful. And people start asking me about things that aren't what I thought I was talking about. And I was just like, oh, wow, I'm so not ready. I can't do this right now. Okay. So I left. I just, I just left. Um, and I came back 11 months later. And thank goodness you were in the same restaurant on the same day at the same time. So I found you guys. And I came right. back. And by this time, I was all sorted out. I'd gotten past the depression thing. I, I was, you know, like well into having the book done. Um, it was about to go to editing type of thing. Like I'd actually written it, and we were we were working on getting it published. Um, and so that's when I showed up again. And then they said, "Well, we already have a coach here, so you got to go to the group across town." And I'm like, "Great, because that's close from my house." So all I went right. and joined that group. Um, and then about a year after that was when uh, a couple of you guys said, you need to start a group in your town. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I went and started a group two weeks later and now I've been running that for like three years. Um, awesome. But my first, first connect meeting was you and then Peter who ended up publishing my book. And I think he's like episode 16 or so of the podcast. Um, but yeah, so. It's, uh, I, re I remember meeting with you. I remember where we sat. It was like a wonky like table for two back in like a weird. What restaurant was that? Do you remember? Mm, we well, I think the first one we probably met at Red Lobster because okay. that's where the first meeting was. So we, we right. probably did that one because I think you were still running. I mean, it was just the one meeting when, right. when the first time I went, it was just the one meeting. And so I think you were actually running it. And then the next time I went, um, I, I went to that meeting and you were there, but not running it. And then I was, I ended up at the Bixby group. Um, okay, and so our yeah. second connect was at Bixby. And that is where you are remembering from that. Yes. So my husband's business had kind of had a couple of clients leave. And then we were still struggling with the, with the debt from the studio that I had mm -hmm. created. And it was, it was pretty gnarly. We, I was not, it was not even a good place. Well, I think that's it. And that to me, you are absolute reinforcement that if you do the right things for the right reasons, it works out. Yeah. So I could have easily said, hey, Camille, I know you guys are going through a tough time, but you know, you need to come back when you have $49. And you would have said, okay. And you probably would have respected me. Like, okay, that sucks, but I'd really like to stay. I'll yeah. just, but you added value in so many other ways. And that's how the conversation even got started is the coach of that group said, well, she's doing all these other things. Can we do anything? I'm like, just have her come. Don't yeah. let's not w put the money first. Yeah. And uh, now you're a coach. You have lots of people in your group. You've been a fantastic ambassador. We've got other groups that have spun out of your group and people literally growing across the country now just from doing the right thing. So yeah. I'm, I'm so I'm, proud of well, the journey you. you've been on and that I was smart enough not to go, oh, I need your $49. Yes, and I am <laughs> eternally grateful because yeah, I think I, I could, you had to float me for about six months before I got it together enough that I could afford the $49 a month to show up. Oh, and the meals because you got to buy. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, you, we were always at restaurants at that time. 2020 sort of changed that, but we were always at restaurants. So really it was about a hundred bucks a month because you got to, you know, get, get something when you're there, leave a good tip type of thing. Um, 
I and I couldn't, it. I couldn't make a hundred bucks a month. I just, I, well, I could make it, but I couldn't spend it on that. I was right. so underwater that I couldn't do it. And through the networking that I've experienced in bold and the sales training of how to talk to people and keep them comfortable and not throw up on your prospect and all of that kind of mm -hmm. thing, you know, now I've actually been able to build something really successful and awesome. Um, because you were gracious enough to let me hang out for, you know, six months. And the one yeah. book came out, it's back there in the corner and I've got the next book coming Great out book. and all kinds of stuff. So yeah. It's I been love amazing. it. Been well, I think that even to the, the topic of the podcast, right? It's, it's if you lead with your heart and then you have some business principles to back that up, it's you're destined, in my opinion, destined for success or at least some really good lessons that'll come out of it. Yes. Yeah, um, for sure. So that's been that's been awesome. I'm so and and then you get to learn stuff like hope isn't a strategy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but you know what is a strategy? What's a that? strategy. Yeah, there you go. I love it. So, so let's just make a strategy, and then if you need some help making one, ask for help making one because there's always people out there, you know, that that will share information. Um, and I find the more successful people are more willing to share. Yes, they are. That's kind of fascinating. Yes, I feel like that's kind of part of the deal is when you get successful, it's part of your job to go help the ones that need it. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You can do that at almost any level. I mean, unless you're truly drowning, you can help the person next to you. That's not quite, not quite at your level yet. So yeah. And if you are drowning, get undrowning, get some help or do whatever. Yeah. Um, Cause a drowning person saves no one. Right. And that's right. a pretty lonely way to go through life. It sure is. It sure is. I, I love it that I have such a huge network now of people that no matter what I'm doing, I can call somebody and ask a question or somebody will, you know, throw me some support if I ask for it. If I'm just like, dude, I'm having a rough day. You know, everyone's like, come on, bring it in. You know? Yeah, right. You got this. Yeah. I love so, it. It's pretty cool. It's, it's really cool. So thank you. And thank you for being on the show. This has been fabulous. Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm again, honored to be here. Glad you're glad you're doing this to, to touch people's lives in a way that they could feel safe, hear other people's ideas and, and perspectives and, and maybe just take something away that they go, huh, I bet I could do 1%. Yes. I bet I put a jar on the end of the, you know, the, the dresser or whatever, and just promise myself that I would never, ever, ever, ever spend it. I would just keep investing it until that money made me money. Then I could spend its babies. There you go. <laughs> yes. Yes. Just something. Yeah. Get something going. So. I love it. Well, thank you again so much for having me on. I hope this is everything that your audience hoped it would be and that they've got a couple of things that added value to their lives and made it worth investing the time and energy to, to hang out with us. Yeah. Yeah. You're so very welcome. And I know you've got a money mantra, so I'm going to um, tell people how to reach you and then I'll let you share your money mantra at the I end. I do? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You might have to remind me of what my money mantra I, is. I might also have to remind myself of what your money mantra was, but that's okay. Um, so how about you? I'll find it for you and you tell people how to reach you because I know you wanted uh, email and phone numbers. So shoot those out for me. Well, probably the easiest way is email, which is rj at boldnetworking.com. That's probably the easiest way. Of course, anybody's welcome, welcome to call or text or email. That's 918-928-7158. And I'm super easy to find on LinkedIn at Robert D as in Dork Johnson <laughs> on LinkedIn. Usually easy to find me on there too. Or just search for Bold Networking and we'll show up literally everywhere online. And um, my contact information is all over everywhere. 
I love it. I love it. So, yeah. Oh, and then, of course, you put in your application to me that if people are struggling to find you that way, then they could also send you an owl. Yeah, an owl. Definitely an owl. Definitely I have several owl. owl, owls in flight now, actually. <laughs> Exactly. I forgot about that. <laughs> yes. Well, that inspired my costume for today. So I went for, you know, the witch wizard type costume because you said we could send you an owl. And I said, oh, well, I know what to, I know what to wear. Tea. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. And I went with you... scary guy. Did, yeah. I, did I nail it or did I nail it? <laughs> nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. Scary bearded man with axe. That's right. Where's your, uh, yeah, yeah. I know, you got to bring the axe act. next time. Bring the axe, and then we'll, you know, file a report. That dude is talking to me with an axe. <laughs> I'm not sure about him. Yes. So thank you as well to all of our listeners and viewers. I'm your host, Camille Diaz. This show is sponsored by Serenity Financial, a Five Rings financial agency specializing in financial education, living benefits, and guaranteed lifetime income. Be sure to follow Money Heart on social media at Money Heart Show and on our website, moneyheartshow.com. So today's money mantra is, it's not how much you make, it's how much you get working for you that matters. Oh, I made that up on the spur of the moment. And it's good, I like it. There Thank you go. You. All right, love it, love you, Camille. Thank you so much. Thanks, bye.